Alright you guys, welcome back to episode 2 of On The Hook, my Dead By Daylight podcast. Today we are covering topics such as chapter 18 changes, the bloodlust experiment, perks and the current state of perks in the game at the minute, and we're going to end with the viewers questions. As always, the timestamp is on the screen guys if you wanted to shift to any part of the topics. Stay tuned and hope you enjoyed the podcast. What we'll do to start off with, again, if you just quickly introduce yourself, BNS, if you want to tell us a bit more about yourself for the introduction, and the other guys, if you just say your name and then we can get started with the questions. Does that sound all right? All right. So my name is Josh, but I go by BetaNurse. I've been a Twitch streamer probably since, um, realistically, since Mixer, before they took Mixer down, and I just used to use Mixer to record videos for YouTube. Uh, but Twitch VODs kind of messed that up because my VODs aren't exactly the best frame rate because of my streaming and stuff in the internet. But basically, I stream quite a bit. I play a lot of Killer, a lot of Survivor. Um, I've played for probably about a year and a half now of the game, and... Um, I guess that's pretty much the intro to be. Uh, um, like Jay said, I met him when I first started, and he's been like an incredibly supportive, like really like great person to have met at the start of everything, just for like reaching out with some like stuff that I was going through and whatnot, involving like starting up and whatnot too. So yeah, um, that's just kind of the intro to how I got here. Um, I pretty much only play DVD and only stream DVD, um, even though it gets frustrating, but. Yeah, that's a little introduction to me. All right, and obviously I'll be on the call again. And we've got uh, Captain Salty, Potato Legion, and Tatarui. Have I said that right again? I keep... <laughs> <laughs> Just call me Tat. Tat, right. It's one of them names I, I think I'm going to always struggle to get right. Tat. Every, everybody has trouble with it. Don't I'm worry. <laughs> really happy we're just saying Tat. Right, okay, guys. First things first, I thought we'd talk about the changes that have happened this week in regards to the chapter 18. So I just wanted your thoughts on that. Just to keep quickly summarise, we've had Victor now able to interact with lockers. We've got a recall facility. We've got the cooldown for the uh, charge for the pounce. That's been, or oh, it's going to be changed as well. So what do you guys think about all that? It was funny because we spoke about it last week as well, and it sounds like they might have listened. We'll, we'll, we'll take a credit for it. We'll say, you know what, guys, they listened to what we said on the podcast and implemented it. But what do you guys think of the changes? Yeah, they're a good step in the right direction. I mean, I I think the 45-second timer on the recall mechanic is a little too long. I think you should be able to recall him at least after maybe 15 seconds because 45 seconds without power is uh, pretty, pretty awful. You know, you got no map mobility, no chase tool, and uh, you have to rely on the survivor to either take off Victor or you wait 45 seconds and recall uh, Other than that though, I think the rest of the changes to Victor are really nice. You know, you can now interact with lockers to some capacity. You're gonna be able to lock them in there basically. Too sure how long that's gonna last for. If it's like 10 seconds, it's gonna be useless. But if it's more like, you know, 15, 20, 25 seconds, that's gonna be really nice. You can maybe work with that. So I don't know, I, I think it's a good step though. Glad to see it. Yeah, um, just to piggyback off that, I can kind of agree. My biggest issue with like some of the things Behavior does, because I really love the Blight, and I loved what they did with the Blight. Blight has like, become my favorite killer. And then it's like looking at the twins, and it's like something as simple as the locker issue, where it's like it just it feels like what everyone else says in the community, where they just don't play their own game. Because like one game, you find out how like detrimental the locker thing is to the power of the twins. Um, I do like the changes. I think like like um, Tat said, it's a, like a step in the right direction. 
And if it's only like a 10 second thing for the locker thing, it's going to be pretty brutal because Charlotte trying to get like across the map in that amount of time. And then I'm sure they don't want Iron Maiden to interact well with it either. Like if Iron Maiden just becomes an instant use on Charlotte too, and everyone starts complaining about that, like it's a weird medium to try to find, I feel like with her power. And it's just such a high risk thing where like you don't get too rewarded for just the base kit of the killer in some circumstances. I like the pounce changes and the um, exit gate changes, but I agree the 45 second timer is absolutely brutal. I'm not even sure how um, good that'll end up being, but I guess we'll see. I agree on everything that was said uh, so far, but I have to also say that uh, it's a step in the right direction. Like. The thing with the locker interaction with Victor should be in the game when the when the TPTB launch. That should al always be like a basic thing because it's just a hard counter to him. And also agree on the top on the thing that uh, Charlotte is like just a 150% movement speed killer. And if she's not sleeping right next to Victor and when she comes out of the cooldown uh, can immediately interact with the locker, I don't think... Uh, the, the change might be that much, would not make the killer that much better than it's now. It's still uh, kind of situational. Yeah, I mean, I think the guys have covered literally everything I may have said. Um, I agree that the 45 seconds is too long, and especially with good teams where a confident survivor can hold Victor for that 45 seconds, especially in objects of obsession. It doesn't really matter that she can see your aura. So if everyone sort of took turns and held him for 45 seconds apiece, you're going to be without your power for a very, very long time. So I agree, the cooldown needs to be reduced massively for her to be viable. But I'm happy about the locker changes and the pounce changes. Definitely, that was a step in the right direction. But there's still a bit more tweaking and work to do with this killer. The problem I have is, how can they not think about that? kidnapping thing when they release the character. Like, they know how to how the Dead by Daylight community likes to exploit stuff. How can't they f uh, think about it when they release the killer that maybe they don't even want to get rid of the uh, of the baby, you know? It's like, how can't they think about that before they do it? It's like they have to band-aid fix it because they realize, oh, we have a community that likes to exploit things. Like hook tags, for example, we talked about it last time. It's like, it's, it's like people want to exploit the shit out of this game and the devs have to think about how people can exploit something like that and that that it made into a pdp like a test version with the huge issue is a, like for me it's like just a big question mark in my head it's like how can't they think about that before they even like make a test version of it yeah i mean that's that's something that i thought because what i done i started playing games and trying to figure out if I didn't have any powers for 45 seconds. What difference can it make? And 45 seconds is such a long time in the game. So I was the same. When I first seen it, I thought, well, at least I've brought back, you know, some sort of recall mechanic because it was obvious that I had to do that. But yeah, 45 seconds does seem to be a bit too long. One thing I forgot to mention as well was obviously they changed the kill, you know, when you the door, the doorway's being blocked. I know Tat, you brought it up last week, didn't you, in regards to you could still fall out the door when you had Victor attached to you. So it is little things like that that 
hopefully it's a step in the right direction but yeah it's stuff that maybe should have been noticed beforehand i still don't think that you should play victor as a killer i should if i think you should play it as an information thing like you send him to his location then let him sit there and every time the survivor goes in the in next in the circle around victor you get the notification of this killer instinct stuff so you know where people that's how scott june played it in the first <clears throat> week on the ptb and that's how I would play the killer because I like information. I'm a sucker for information. I use discordance, whispers, all the information perks on my killers. And this killer has like basically legion's power without people having to be injured, which is pretty damn strong. I was gonna say, yeah, I feel like they took a very linear like route with this where it's like, okay, incapacitated, they can't leave the exit gate, but then they just didn't test it. And then it's like, Okay, Victor can latch on to you, and then there's lockers you can jump in. I think it's just, um, I think it's just overall frustrating, yeah, uh, in my opinion, because I think what they were thinking is like, okay, we have this killer. Um, if he injures every, if he, everybody's injured, Victor can just snowball and just destroy everyone. But I just like healing is just so good in the game and so easy to do. There's no punishment for it. Like at least like when Legion was originally released, which was like god awful, but you know. There's slowdown, like there, there's no real anything that Victor applies or anything that keeps people injured to actually snowball with them. So I think they just balance the killer around this idea that every person is going to be able to snowball with them and under the perfect conditions that's going to happen, which is kind of frustrating. But... Yeah, and how, how hard it is to actually uh, hit the pounds, you know, it's like it, it they, they buffed the speed, but also the, the pound is still far too hard to hit. Like a good survivor that is like dodging Huntress hatchet left and right, he will dodge Victor like 24-7. And you will never get value with the pounds at all. Yeah, well, I mean, we've just discussed before we went on air, actually. Um, it's out a week on Tuesday, I believe, the 1st of December. So it's going to be interesting to see, one, the changes that have took place, but two, how many do. Because if you've noticed, guys, on the... Uh, the chapter update it was like these are tentative we don't know when these will actually be changed so we know for example the animation for the locker that's not going to be out upon release they've already said that it's something that they're going to try to work on it's going to be interesting to see how mu much of these changes come in when the chapter actually comes out on that note then okay so to this weekend we've had the bloodlust experiment so what are your experiences so far then guys do we need bloodlust yes one I, I don't think we need Bloodlust level 2 and 3. I think Bloodlust level 1 is perfectly fine, though, uh, because Bloodlust tends to teach killers bad habits to just run around the pallet when it's super unsafe um, or even safe. I saw a video on Twitter of a Felix running a ghost face on the two unsafe cars in front of Badham for two minutes, and the ghost face was taking wide turns. Um, they were trying to bloodlust when it wasn't even active. And I think that's that's because bloodlust has taught that killer, you know, it's okay to basically suck at the game. And that's not me trying to attack the person because it's a casual party game, right? But I feel bloodlust is teaching killers bad habits. And now that we don't have bloodlust for this weekend, we're seeing a lot of, uh, I guess, the result of that is a lot of killers struggling. Exactly. I've been having perfectly normal games and everything's been fine, so... 
Oh, I did not like the, the now the survivors get more cocky because they know they can do something that the killer can't catch up to. Like now the god loop in Asylum, uh, Protoss Pen Asylum is basically impossible for you because you need Bloodlots to at least catch up to the survivor after they vault the window. Um, the Ormond is cancer now. Uh, Coldwind Farm, like Thompson House, you can't take any loop there because they are all really safe and even like what I mentioned last last week is the the jungle gyms in Colvin Farm are all see through, so you have to run the whole the, the normal path because you can't really mind game with the see through things. And now with a blood loss, you will never catch up to the survivor if he does a perfect pathing. You will never catch up, never. And uh, that's like the issue. And yeah, I agree with Bloodless One being uh, important for the game because. Some loops are just, you can't do it without at least one uh, Bloodless 1 to catch up to the survivor. Bloodless 2 and 3 are just people that don't want to uh, break chase and then overcommit to chases anyway. So they, they are needed, but Bloodless 1 certainly is needed. Yeah, absolutely. Because there's a lot of uh, smaller tiles in the game or longer tiles as well that just, you need Bloodless to have a good chance of catching up. Uh, but yeah, Bloodless 2 and 3 feels awful to go up against because you know... There's nothing you can do. The killer, even if they're worse than you, are eventually going to catch you. It just feels really unfair. Yeah, I have to agree with those points. I think Bloodlust 1 is okay, but the second you're getting to 2 and 3, it's a bit unfair on the survivor. And honestly, if you're chasing the survivor for that long, you should have probably given up chase anyway. I feel like they're trying to take a step in the right direction. They need to fix their loops before they implement this change fully. Because currently, as you guys said, some loops are just absolutely broken. And the only way to counter it is with Bloodlust or the killer's power. Me personally, I haven't felt any change to the games. Currently, as you guys are aware, and we spoke about this before we went live, ranking is currently broken. So we're going against really inexperienced survivors. So Bloodlust isn't necessary at all. And I actually done the challenge of just running Beast of Prey with Legion, and I didn't feel any challenge whatsoever. Until they fix the loops, and until they really consider uh, balancing it out, Bloodlust needs to remain in-game for now, or at least just Bloodlust 1. That's my opinion on the matter. Yeah, I did a similar thing. I played the Ghostface like an M1 killer, like never using his power, and like basically before you had to loop everything and you needed bloodlust and i realized if i just select people more often like i realized if i chase too far chase too long and then have to break up i can just like end the chase down a survivor search for another one and slugging is far more far more important than it was ever before if you don't have bloodlust in the game you need to slug because you will lose so much time in chases if you get a chase done you can get someone down you have to slug that's basically how what I experienced. I also experienced a knockout pick build, <laughs> which is pretty much awful because you place the trap on the head, then you then you let them slug, and when the survivors do the gens, the trap is activated. They can't get rid of it before it is activated, so they it's even more time they lose. So, and in my opinion, it's like if Bloodlust would not be in the game, slugging would be meta. At least Bloodlust one. Josh, what do you think? Um, so, I've been playing a lot on both sides. Um, the biggest thing 
uh, for me. Um, I, I pretty much agree. Bloodlust 1 is absolutely fine. I feel like there's a lot of killers that without their power, or like, for example, like a trapper only has so many traps, and without his power, it's some loops. You can't just keep putting traps down. Like, you put a trap down, they leave the tile. There's situations, I feel like, where you do, you need that for those types of killers. Like, and the argument that I've seen some people say is, well, it keeps killers like Nurse and Spirit stronger. And I'm like, I, they're going to be stronger regardless. Like, I don't like Bloodlust 2 or 3, even though Bloodlust is, like, pretty easy to get rid of with, like, pallet stuns or breaks. And if they get to 45 seconds, which is Bloodlust 3, and a chase total, like, you've kind of done your job, especially if they just get one hit. So I don't really mind it 2 and 3 as much. I have said before, though, that I do would like them to only have Bloodlust 1. Um, as far as playing Killer, there's been, like, I know the Auto Haven uh, Mazaroff's, like, choking point or whatever they call it with the 3-gen um, setup. That map is absolutely brutal without Bloodlust. Um, that is the amount of windows and, and the, just anything with a midsection like that, like Suffocation Pit as well, that has all these, like, jungle gyms in the middle or, like, big structures. You pretty much, like, I forget who said it. One of y'all said it, but it's like you have to just, you have to play it, kind of like the Disturbed Ward, where you just have to, like, vault the window, and it's like, okay, now you're just in one killer, no Bloodlust. And there's times where it feels absolutely brutal. Like, if you're a killer that doesn't have counterplay or anything on loops, like, playing Deathslinger felt better than playing, like, um, any, I mean, anybody else, just because of that anti-loop ability that he has to where he doesn't really have to rely on Bloodlust. And that was kind of my experience, where Bloodlust just feels like a necessity at, at tier one, because even though it can teach bad habits, I feel like this game, the looping in this game is never going to be completely balanced. And I feel like Bloodlust 1 is a fine balance, especially if, um, I don't know if you've like seen the original Blood Notes, like patch notes, but Bloodlust 3 used to be like 1.2 bonus meters per second instead of 0.6. So, like, it has been reduced, so, like, but I'm, I would really just rather see Bloodless 1 stay, and they can get rid of 2 and 3 as well. Yeah, I mean, um, it's interesting, because uh, obviously it's good when you get a, a conversation like this going, because you, you pick up little bits on what everyone said, but um, I think the same, I do agree, I, I don't think you should get rid of Bloodlust 1, but definitely 2 and 3. I'm probably a little bit more experienced in it, but when I'm playing Killer, I... I I can't remember ever getting Bloodlust 2 or 3. The only time, there was one occasion where literally there was one survivor. I'd been whooped off this team and he was just looting me and his team were following him, trying to stop him, stop me from getting the hit. I could only rely on just getting that one death so the game had gone. And that was when I just kept looping him around. That was going with Bloodlust 2, Bloodlust 3. But that was the only time I've ever used it to try to get that. And I do think it does enforce bad habits. One of the things that you always see when you when you're watching videos and watching games is I think the difference between a good killer and a killer who's just learning is always for me it's always about what knowing when to cut chase or not and I think bloodlust sort of rewards them for keep chasing once they've got a chase the objectives might be finished and it's a case of them camping for that one kill because of the damage is already done so I do I can understand why bloodlust is seen as actually enforcing bad habits but this weekend uh, and again we were saying just before we went on air was all I found when I've been playing survivors is really really horrible killers in regards to tunneling uh, I mean one of, it's one of the killers as well I had so many hours and was a twitch streamer who I played and he literally put me in the corner the first time he got me 
and that was it. It was game over. Every time I got saved, he was back over, same position. And I was just like, this is awful. You know, this is no wonder we all were in the, the small pee-pee build, you know, for the perks. But so I'm not sure actually what they're going to get out of this experiment, what sort of results they'll see. Now, obviously, for me, it's only myself. It's only a small sample. But anyone else experienced bad games this weekend in regards to it? No, but I've seen them. Like, there's one big uh, YouTuber slash streamer that always overchases, in my opinion, and never learns from that, and always blames the game for losing. And people basically had an, this person had a debate a few years ago with another streamer over Bloodlust 3 that is necessary for the game. And back then in the debate was also, like, the points mentioned were, like, totally not true. And... Like people always set him and uh, tell them in the streams uh, to actually review games, adapt to fair changes, don't chase too far. You don't have to prove skill to anything. It's just like if you lose the game, only it's your fault because you overchase. And for people like that, that, that speak for the killer community, that often have good ideas, it's something that is like, it's, mis it's, uh, it's making an illusion of how killers actually be playing. Like, facing the, the whole that you need the movement speed to catch up to some loops is like bullshit. You just leave them. Some loops are so broken. If you try to loop them, it's your own fault. Yeah, like it's like Cortis Penicide in main building. If you try to chase that and the solver knows how to do it, you lose five gens in the process. Yeah, I feel like it's like a bad thing to like not have it though too because it's like yeah like you have to know when to give up chase but it, it also it's like a, it's also like a double negative where like if you just kind of like avoid like a shack area that leads into like a really strong like jungle gym into another safe pallet um like as it gets to late game and if there's any gens that happen to be nearby all it takes is like a sprint burst into like the disturbed ward or a sprint burst into like the haddonfield house or like, I've noticed, like, survivors a lot of times, if there's a really safe area they feel like they have, like, it's me included. Like, if I know, if I can do gens that are close to the disturbed ward, man, you know, I'm about to get a heartbeat, and it's like I get an extra, I just need, like, what, five, ten seconds before they even get near me, and I'm already in the, like, disturbed ward. Like, Badham's kind of that way, like, when you're going in the, in the, into the preschool, it just feels so bad, and the preschool is just so close to a lot of the gens that... I feel like in a lot of situations, survivors can get away with doing like the unsafe gen, or I mean, not the unsafe, the super safe gens, like the ones in the corners that you just never want to check because it wastes your time. And they can afford to set up like a risky three gen because the structures just get really strong. And then, I mean, obviously that kind of tests your like stuff as a killer and whatnot. That's not to say that, you know, everything's unfair or something, but there's just so many like really long loops and just really crazy RNG on some tiles that just feel really bad. For a lot of killers especially huntress when who when like bloodlust resets with every hatchet she throws and another example obviously billy who if he uses his chainsaw um whether he gets a hit or not you know bloodlust resets so i like it's i think it's really frustrating for a lot of killers and a lot of players when it gets taken away this, sometimes it's just not even relying on it it's just sometimes you just need it for just how like weird their map design is in certain situations especially having to break walls i hate breaking walls like something infinite like suffocation pit the whole fucking window thing there it's like you can just stop chasing that because even with bloodlust it's like not worth it at all like it's it's some some uh, structures are still so broken some people that know what they do just leave the chase and go for somewhere else and the thing is like suffocating pit is pretty small map it's a short point map but it's like pretty easy to get to the main building to the to the suffocation pit 
and uh, to abuse that loop is just bad design in the game to be honest and a lot of survivors actually uh, get carried by this loop they can't loop on normal structures i old mind game in the jungle gyms and stuff like that but then they get distance because uh, bloodlust was not active and then they get to the suffocation pit and i was like yeah fuck this i leave the chase and this this feeling of you have to leave you have to uh, realize that you lost that that's the defeat for you the chase you know that you can get them later that's what a lot of killers struggle even killers that play like two four five k hours they still do it don't do it they really refuse to give survivors the win by uh, over chasing a lot I see that a lot in Fangu's videos when he get he uh, get he loops a doctor for three four gens for five minutes because killers don't want to give up on the first chase because everyone says the first down is the most important so people are tunnel vision on those first down if they lose the game because of that they don't care because everyone says in the first five minutes the only thing you have to do is like get get down as fast as possible which is not even true. And I think, that's why something like this happens. Yeah, I think as well, when I, I'm, I'm conscious you mentioned Fungus there, I think one thing that I used to do, and I don't know about you guys, you're all player killers. One thing I used to do when I was a bit inexperienced in the game was go, actually, I've chased this guy for so long that I'm pretty much committed to him now. I can hear the gens going. And I find that when you watch Fungus's videos, it seems like that's the type of killers he's playing where they've went, you know what, this guy has took me for a ride. Gens have popped left, right and centre. I'm just going to make sure that this guy dies. Yeah, it's it's interesting because, as I say, it, it's, I mean, we spoke about the loops last week. And I, I certainly think that the loops have got better. So implemented some changes some of them you know they took quite a few of the infinites out and no conscious what you're saying joshua that obviously in regards to some of the, some of them you have to think and break the breakable walls and things like that i think overall obviously it'd be interesting to see what happens to this bloodlust experiment i if i'm sticking my neck on the line that's what i think will happen i think they'll leave bloodlust one but i think they'll take out bloodlust two and three but we'll see we'll see we might never ever hear of it ever again it might just be one of those things that just falls by the wayside so last week guys we touched upon perks and we said we'd probably spend all day talking about perks so we haven't got all day however let's talk about perks what do you think overall about the state of the perks in the game it's uh, stale for a long time especially for survivors it's what sorry i missed that uh, captain salty it's stale for a stale, long time especially right. for survivors okay i actually think it's stale for both because it's just meta and killers have the meta now as well ruin undying every game ruin undying and then survivors just run unbreakable decisive strike borrow time you know they need to encourage survivors and killers to run different types of perks and there's too many perks in the game that serve literally absolutely no purpose and a pointless and they need to be reworked there's not enough options and the meta will always stick because it's the easy way to win games and a lot of people take this game very competitively so until they change it it's just going to be meta perks all round problem i have that's like uh it's hard for the developer to actually bring out uh, make uh, like release new perks that actually eclipse the old perks. Like you will never do the mistake again and create a next D-Strike, even though with Power Struggle, they kind of have a situational D-Strike, but that was a topic from the last episode. And, but like, they have to be really careful in designing perks. They don't want to, they, they, they don't want to 
create a new broken perk. And it's like it's hard for, for them to make good perks that actually work, like have a niche, but are really good in this niche. Like Tentatophobia for a long time. They said they like Tentatophobia and killer players said it's shit. But people don't realize how to use it. Like if you play a, a killer that is considered like um, focusing on chasing a lot, then Tentatophobia is bad. But if you're injuring a lot of people and stopping them from healing and stuff like that, then Tentatophobia can easily, easily win you the game. If you consider, if you juggle like a madman. The thing is, um, they have a lot of perks that have like niche usages and are pretty good in these niches. Like for example, barbecue and chili, and you combine that with uh, Iron Maiden to if they go into lockers, you actually get still get the exposed status. But it's such a niche thing that it's like not even worth it. The problem is like, what do you do? Like you can't do, you can't uh, print, you can't release more perks that are powerful because uh, it will just like replace the old perks because they're even broke even more broken than the old perks yeah i want to say ever since uh original metal of man they've been very careful with releasing new perks into the game uh which is why you know for like the last year we've had pretty boring perks where they're either uh, completely useless or so niche it doesn't even matter and then ever since the release of i want to say descend beyond maybe if you want to count soul guard from uh silent hill but Descend Beyond was the, the first time we've actually got good perks again for both sides. And uh, it was really nice to see that. But I think they're being really careful to the point where it just makes most perks in the game utterly boring to use. Inner Strength came out too, right? Inner Strength was another good one that they made um, after, um, what's it called? After Metal Man, I think. I think that was the only other good one, that one in Soul Guard, right? Yeah, I think so. Head on. Uh, What's that? Head on, dude. I love the perk. That's cool. That the perk is they need more pun perks like that. Like really, it's like it's annoying for a killer if you if they have to uh, deal with this strike and head on. But it's like so fun. And then they have they have that whole situation with Nemesis when that first released on the PTB, where it uh, caused Deep Wound to continue to tick down, like back in the good old days of 2018 Legion. Oh my God. Uh, it's really abusable, uh, so then they had to make Deep Wound effectively useless. I'm going to let you guys in on the best perk right now, and I don't care what anyone thinks. Any means necessary is the best damn perk, and I love it right now. That has been my perk for like the last two weeks since the, or however long since the, what is it, 60 second cooldown. I have lifted so many safe, unsafe pallets, and it feels so bad for the killer. I've actually really enjoyed that perk. That's been the only thing that's keeping me playing Survivor is any means necessary has value because people just don't break pallets that much, especially at unsafe pallets. So you get to kind of use those again, which is really nice. Yeah, I think if you tie that in with, um, is it life? And then you dumb tech the killer and life away, they don't break the pallet. And I've done that so many times where I've picked up the same pallet like three or four times. I agree. It's another fun perk that the game needs to incorporate more of. But we are getting a new fun perk with the new survivors locker perk. So they, they are kind of doing it, but that's a sort of step in the direction they should be going. And I'd love to see some fun killer perks as well, but I, top of my head, I can't think of any. The problem is like, uh, they won't be like used at all. Like even if they buff bad perks, which they did when they uh, nerfed Pyramid Head for the first time, like they he got nerfed two times, which is, I don't understand, but like, whatever. Uh, like. They did. They buffed a lot of perks that no one used, and still no one uses them. Like it's it's 
just why should you use situational perks that are fun and you like them over perks like just this decisive strike, unbreakable, BT, or ruin, barbecue and chili, filling tremors. Like those those things are like why should you go for fun perks like cruel limits or something like that over anything else? Like okay, they are bad in 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 a general thing, but you can build the build around it and make it actually useful. But you have to do so much, you have to invest so much resources to actually make that work, which makes it not possible or not worth it to run this perk. Like people tag in Tinkerer now because it's the best perk in the game. Yeah, it's like, it's it's boring. And then you face it's the same builds over and over. If you don't want to face small PP survivor builds, then, then stop using the small PP killer build with sex, uh, Undying, Ruin, Tinkerer, and Barbecue and Chili, because that's the same thing, just for killers. It's like, and, and also I think Ruin, und, und, Undying makes killer lazy. Like, they don't care for totems anymore because survivors have to deal with them five times in the match. If you are, if they are unlucky. If you are unlucky, they cleanse Undying first and then cleanse and find Ruin afterwards and say, but it's like, I remember the times when you had to Ruin plus Hex full of the hunt to protect your totems. And every time they started the totem to cleanse the totem, you actually beeline towards the totem and stop survivors from doing it. Like it was not, oh, I just chased the whole time because if I got a notification on my totem, I moved there and kicked the survivor's ass because don't you dare touch my bones, you know? And that's nothing, that's not happening anymore. People don't want to kick gens anymore because it's it's a time loss. It's like, it just depends on how do you play a killer. If you just chase around the map, like on the edge of the map and you're chasing one survivor that didn't do anything the whole game and just uh, looped you for like multiple minutes, it's like, okay, it's your idea, but people that actually play killer more controlling, like more micromanaging, like listening to everything, every notification they can, they, they can get, like using perks like discordance to know when someone is on the gen trying to, trying to gen rush, that you can like actually know what is happening and then you use the information to make your next move and stuff like that. It's like if you actually care for the totems and you actually try to protect them and you go to the gens and try to hold them because I see it a lot of times when they actually give a, give a fuck about the gen and then just chase around the map like without doing anything. Like the rest of the survival team is not punished enough so they stay on gens. So what actually do you accomplish from that? It's like, and that's how I, why I like this, like, Hex uh, Undying and Ruin combo, because it's just stupid. Like, killers don't have to look for anything else anymore. Just, they can just focus on chasing, because if the survivors go off the gens, Ruin will regress the gen, and they can't cleanse Ruin because they have to cleanse Undying first, which is stupid. Okay, that's a good point, actually, because this is one of the things I've got wrote down. Now, my thoughts on Ruin Undying, so I'm going to ask you guys for your opinions as well. I don't like the combination. Now, that just falls with my playstyle. If I have the totems on, it's one more thing for me to worry about. So I generally, and I know that's possibly not how you play it when you're that, you just put them out there and hope for the best. But I don't really like relying on luck either. So I don't like, if you watch some of my older videos, I do say I never used Ruin because with my luck, when I did put it on, it would literally just break within seconds. And then I'm down to three perks. Now with Hex Undying, uh, with Hex Undying and Ruin, I'm noticing all the all the big YouTubers are using it. You know, Oddsdiver, True Talent. They're, they're putting it on the killers quite a lot. 
And I'd, I'm thinking, like what Captain Salty just said there, is it a lazy way of playing? For me personally, um, I won't go over the perks that I like because that's one of the questions I'll ask you guys in a minute. But I think there's much stronger perks out there. But the simple question is, guys, what do you think about Ruin Undying combo? The only killer I use Ruin and Undying on at the same time is Blight. Other than that, I use Surge, Pop, Corrupt, uh, sometimes no regression at all because I'm bold. That's literally the only killer. I hate ruining and dying as a survivor. I find it very boring because most of the time I do play solo queue. Um, but when I do Swift, it we steamroll. We get all the totems very, very quickly because we're on comms. Solo queue, ruin and dying is the most atrocious thing in this game. We mentioned the last episode where I said like it's it's nightmare for solo queue survivors because you can't expect it. So I have a team that doesn't know each other and doesn't know what the what the rest of the team is doing to find five totems to not lose the game. You know, it's like you can't expect that. And that's the, the thing with the issues in the games, like the, the killers get pushed towards a level where they can handle something that is not even normal or the standard from the of the game anymore. Like the killers usually were like print were like released in the mindset of having four players all solo all not knowing each other and all having to play together to kind of get out of there so killers were scary because no one know the game and no one had communication and that's how the whole game was designed around like i remember the times when 2018 i think when spirit came out people played haunted grounds to protect ruin but they didn't do it because they also checked on totems all the time. Like every 20 to 25 seconds, they checked on the totems because they knew it, Ruin is such a bullshit perk for the survivors. They will search for the totems. And my, myself, I never played Ruin because it's just like the perk that doesn't do anything for me because I'm a gen protector build killer. So I play everything I do as a killer. I play gen protection and, and endgame. And uh, in my opinion, it's like I always play a balanced build. Like I have information, I have a chase perk, I have a late game perk and something for end game and the gen protection perk. So I know when they start to try to do gens, I, I can interrupt them. It's not an aggressive playstyle. It's more like a more controlly, let them do whatever they want, but I let them do where I want them to do it. So they free gen themselves. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah, I, I think that that's pretty much fits for my play style as well so i like to be in control of it and it like i said as soon as i see in if i have totems that becomes suddenly another objection for uh, objective for me to protect that totem as well like you said um I, I always run pop goes the weasel so i'm talking about killers who always run hex and dying and ruin for me if most of my videos you'll see me have thrilling and pop goes the weasel on discordance is another one as well so it's all about like what you said there captain salt it's all about the control that i have whereas i feel when i don't have them on or if i have hex undying and ruin on i don't have i've, I've lost that control because the survivors are out there trying to take away that power from me so very good point in what you made there but as i say i can relate to that because i feel that my play style is quite the same joshua or potato what do you think about i think the reason everyone's using it is because obviously it's the best perk combo in the game for killers. You haven't got to kick gens. Totems are easily defendable. You get a free aura read for anyone that goes past a dull totem. And a lot of the time you get to 
get free information when survivors just run past a doll because gents tend to spawn near them sometimes. There is no alternative solution right now for defending your hexes. Ruin, nine times out of ten from my experience when I spawn in a game, Ruin will spawn in the most stupidest location ever and it will be cleansed within the first few seconds. So there needs to be something. I think Undying is a bit too broken. The fact that you can get really lucky and get it cleansed like three times is just kind of ridiculous and does pull survivors away from the objective. And obviously if they're not holding on to gens, Ruin is going to absolutely destroy them. It just feels like it buys you enough time, kind of like how old Ruin did at the start. And again, it's not something I use on every killer. Like on Legion, I probably won't really run it anymore. Um, on killers that need more time to set up or defend areas like Hag or Trapper, I'll probably run it. And on stealth killers as well, so that I can sneak up on people and push them off gens for free. I understand why everyone's using it. And as you said, people like Otstava, who's trying to go for like 50 win challenges, it's totally understandable why he's running those perks right now because it's going to guarantee him a higher success rate of winning. Yeah, until there's some other meta, it's going to be sticking around. So, And I agree, for solo queue survivor, it's absolutely disgusting. I mean, I touch a gen when I start just to see if there's ruin and immediately my brain goes, there's definitely undying. So I'm going around trying to cleanse five totems. And I don't want to bring perks like Detective's Hunch or a map because they're boring. I don't want to spend my game running around doing totems. It's not a fun objective. But someone's got to do it. Otherwise, the game is going to be absolutely disgusting. So I would love to see some sort of change to either Ruin or Undying to prevent this disgusting combo. I think Undying is great, and it could be great for other hexes as well. Maybe Ruin needs to change. I'm not sure. But something needs to be done about that little synergy between those two perks, for sure. Killers need to understand that they don't need Ruin. Like, there are, there are plenty of ways to prevent survivors from doing objectives like a sloppy butcher they they have to heal longer survivors want to heal if they don't want to heal they are disadvantaged because if you find them again you can down them easily um, knockout if you get the survivor down you can just let them slug and they can't find him in solo queue it's, it's disgusting you have pop goes the weasel if you chase someone and hook someone you can kick the next generator you will have oppression which i'm like really hyped for because this perk sounds great uh, which is like basically search plus overcharge on the 80 second cooldown, which kind of sounds pretty damn good. And yeah, you have search. What I mentioned is like you have so many things to actually slow down the game. And if you combine that with information perks like Discord and Tinkerer, you don't you, you know when survivors touching your gens or when so when the gen is so far uh, so far gone that it's critical to actually go and disturb them from stopping from them from doing it and uh, to have these moments where you actually know what the survivors are doing and not doing is pretty much the best thing in the game and if you combine those things and you micromanage a bit more of your knowledge you don't need ruin i never needed ruin old ruin was far too good because the killer didn't need to do anything to prevent that from uh, to to make survivors not do the gens because even if they hit great skill checks they didn't get like any progress on the time, so you get at least more than at least 80 seconds to chase, which p other people use to chase. I used the time to actually check on all the gens and then made sure that they didn't touch it. So 
when when I first tested out a bit with Ruin, I always thought it's like it gives you a lot of time to do the stuff that you should do as a killer, which is preventing survivors from doing gens. That's the primary objective that killers should do. And if you do that long enough, survivors will get cocky or like desperate because they have to do gens to get out. That's the only way they can get out. And if you if they can't finish gens, like they have to do gens. They try to bait you away so the teammates can sit on gens. And if a killer controls the map, like draws the game long, like old Freddy did, it was awful. Like it, games took forever against old Freddy if he could manage to control the world because really old Freddy, uh, if all four people were asleep, you could not wake, and wake each other up. You had to fail a skill check to wake yourself up. So you purposely fucked up a skill check on a gen, for example, to wake yourself up, which buys you a lot of more time. And I always like those, those price there of like, oh yeah, they can't do gens and I have just have to wait a bit so they get desperate and then I can get my easy kills. And that's how I farm a lot of blood points and actually 4K a lot in my games because I play like, like a killer. Like I observe things, know where they are and then interrupt what I'm doing. And if you play like this, it's like more of a strategic way. A lot of more games will, you, you will win a lot of more games. Yeah, I think it comes down, like you said, it comes down to different player styles. Joshua, do you want to give your opinions? Hex Undying and Ruin, do you like it? I think the biggest problem with Hex Undying and Ruin, one of the biggest, there's like three big problems. The first one is, especially when it comes to choosing to run it, is base gen regression when you kick it is just absolutely useless. Um, and then the second, like, I have an issue with the aura reading. Like, I think aura reading definitely needs to be gone. I honestly, I really don't find Ruin and Undying as bad um, together. I think the real culprit that kind of make gives every killer um, map pressure that shouldn't have map pressure is Tinker. Because that 70% progress giving you that notification allows killers that don't have high mobility to know exactly where to go. And I remember when they first changed Tinker and they changed Billy. I played Billy for like 20 games or so. And I just only played Billy. And I ran Ruin and Tinker. And just Ruin and Tinker alone, um, because, you know, obviously there was no Undying and people didn't really care to do totems. Just Ruin and Tinker alone was just giving me a lot of value, especially on someone like Billy. And obviously it wasn't going to do it with other killers. But I think I think the problem is that... That, that tracking that is just based on gen completion instead of like discordance where you have to have a condition of like a number of people on a gen. As far as like it making killers lazy and stuff, I can like partially agree with that. I think the other argument for that though is like, especially with old Ruin, is like you're, you're at the start of a match, you have no pressure whatsoever. Everyone is able to do whatever they want until you get that chase and force a survivor to have to go for a save or something, right? And I feel like with that, you kind of needed that type of slowdown um, just to keep people off of gens. And it's you're playing one versus four. You're playing against 16 perks usually, if, unless someone's memeing. So you're playing against 16 perks. So I was really okay with someone having – I was really okay with a perk that kind of allows you not to have to do anything other than, you know, maybe defend a totem or something. I really don't think it's a bad idea to force survivors off of, like, gens and doing alternative objectives. I think games can go by really fast if not. And I think, like – the argument with like sloppy and stuff that I don't really like like is like we're getting so many more healing perks that mean absolutely like or that works so strong against stuff like sloppy and now that Thana's gone like Thana was already really bad 
But now that it doesn't even affect healing, like you can run Dying Light and Sloppy, but by the time Dying Light starts making a difference, you're winning the game. Like you, if you're getting four to six hooks, you're probably already winning. And if it's actually affecting the game, you should be winning anyway. So it's like, I feel like just with releasing things like Inner Strength, giving We're Gonna Live Forever 100% on the ground, even if you don't see that perk much or often or anything, but like we'll make it desperate measures. It's like, there's just no real reason not to stay, not to stay like, not to heal. It's just so consistent and so quick that killers that rely on that slowdown alternative just don't get the full use out of it. Because really, even even staying injured, like they might be one hit later, but they're, if they're if they're willing to stay injured, they're probably a pretty decent survivor, and that just comes into a whole nother like variable of they're probably just gonna run the loop, and then they might have adrenaline. Like there's just so many factors that I'm okay with some of those things of like having those kind of semi crutchy perks, but I do like need think that Undying definitely does need like a nerf in some way. I wouldn't mind seeing maybe one or two tokens like. If it gets destroyed, it can replace your ruin once or something like that, or replace your totem once. Something like that, maybe just to balance it out to where you're not forced to stay on every totem. Because some of the new maps have horrific totem spawns on the survivor side where it's under a tree in the log in the forest of like the Wizard of Oz or something. And you have to spend 30 days trying to find it. So that's just kind of my opinion on it. But for that, they have to uh, do something against the problem why perks like Undying Ruin are used. It's like because survival friends exist. And uh, if you are coordinated in the team and you sit on gens and you hammer that through, it's like, and they never leave the gen, it's like, it's GG. And so but in solo queue, oftentimes it's like everyone for themselves. And in the end, if they all can get out, they work together. But in the 80% of the match, you are alone and you have to perform on your own. You have to decent in loops. You have to uh, do the gens when others are. Uh, looping the killer and for that thing it's like you can't expect them to cleanse five totems same with noet you can't expect them to find all the bones without running maps or detective hunt or something like that because there is no in survival friends you have like a dedicated totem jockey that's just searching totems and destroys them with maps or like detective hunt or something like that you have one dedicated looper uh, and you have two guys that are brand new parts uh, and toolboxes and just hammering through the jets you don't have that in solo queue because in solo queue it's doesn't even it's not even clear if you get like three blendettes or like even one mech with a flashlight that is goat and chases that tries to loop the killer you have don't have those those setups that you have in survival friends so a perk combination with undying ruin is actually pretty stupid for if they want to push the game towards the state where they where it should have been for a long time because before they added survival friends the game was fine so if a friend should have been a custom mode, it's not. And before they did that, I don't want them to nerf Undying or something like that because people that want to use it have to use it sometimes. And people that don't want to use it, don't use it anyway. So, Well, well it's interesting you should say that. Um, it just made me think of another question, actually. So, I mean, it's conscious because obviously you can say Hex and Dying will be good against solo queues, not so good against Survivor Friends. I've noticed Captain Salty said it would be good against Survivor Friends. Do you think, I mean, I'm, I'm probably going to drift off and probably just a short answer here. So do you think you should have some indicator to let you know you're playing against Survivor Friends in the game? Oh, yeah. Mm, I mean, that could be very easily abused on Killer's side, where you could just keep dodging long over and over again until you get an easy match. I think you should be able to see Survivor Friends after the game is done that way you can't just continuously lobby dodge because nobody likes waiting queues longer than they have to it would probably kill the game if i'm being honest with uh 
uh, what everyone has to say about Survivor with friends. And I, you know, when I play with my friends, I we already wait pretty long for matches at night, so I don't want to wait upwards of 15 minutes just to have a killer lo uh, lobby dodge every time. That'd be really boring. Yeah, Tats hit the nail on the coffin there. It's a big no, in my opinion. People dodge too much as it is already. I just put YouTube in my name and I get like five, six dodges every time I play Survivor just because of that. So I don't want killers to have another excuse to dodge. I would be happy with it if killers had no alternative and had to stay in the game, but they will probably DC or you might accidentally join a killer game and need to leave for whatever reason. So yeah, I think end game notification would be nice to have perhaps, but again, it doesn't really matter at that point, does it? Because you've already played the game. Exactly. And it should be like, you should be like, if you think you are mentally prepared for, for like bullying, then you can, okay, let's go, let's do this. But if you're not mentally too prepared to be bullied and you just want to chill a bit and have a nice game with like against solo queue survivors, which even if they are good, they can pretty much still have a chance to win. Like if they're really organized and stuff like that and they are really good players on their own, it's still like an uphill battle, like in equal terms. Of course, the killer is like often favored, but it's even if on a survivor side map, like survivors, solo queue survivors can easily win. If they are if they do better than the killer so it's a skill check in this opinion uh, in this in this moment so but i don't think that like survival friends should be in the game as a ranking option it should be custom and people abuse the matchmaking system by just queuing up with like lower people from lower ranks to make the killer they face lower rank because they want new survivors like lower rank survivors to have the fun and the killer has to be get bullied because Red Bank Survivor pair up with 20s and they don't do it intentionally, but they just screw up the everything that once that the killer does, like the whole experience of killers. And it should not be in a game. Um, as far as Survivor Friends, I don't really mind it. Um, like it's frustrating when you get that like one percent, like incredibly strong, like they bully you, and then if you show that you're kind of decent, they just bang out the gins, and they know the loops, they know the mind games. But you don't really run into that as often. Um, as far as the lobby thing, it, it would make knockout like probably meta if a killer is just looking for only solo queue players, and that might be a little annoying and a little brutal. So I wouldn't really want that. I think there's like I think crossplay has kind of made some things obvious whether people are like survive with friends in some areas. So I, like, and I don't really get too many DCs, but this would be like an obvious, you know, tell as to whether or not they are. So I'm probably against it because um, it, it would just allow killers to change their builds a little bit too much, I feel like, as well. Like, if you're playing solo, like, and everybody else is solo, like, you're going to get hit with Knockout. You're not going to have fun. You're not going to have a good... It's going to be Knockout, Ruin, Undying, and they're not even going to bring a fourth perk. It's just going to be that rough. It's just not... It might be a little too brutal, but then again, for, like, really experienced solo people, the solo queue generally, like know to do the gens and stuff usually in my experience like if i get people that are in groups they just kind of like screw around farm each other off hooks and stuff and i'm the one that's doing like three four gens but then there's those games where it's like you can tell that they they know what they're doing so like i feel like that just gives the killer too much um leeway to change things dodge and all that stuff and whatnot especially for like mori's and stuff too like but that's my opinion on it yeah i mean that makes sense um it was just something obviously when we mentioned i thought oh i wonder if i could be something that people thought about i agree with tat on it i think that i'd like to know at the end because sometimes to be honest with you i know captain salt you've made your position clear on 
Survivor Friends, some of my best killer games have come against Survivor Friends and I get more satisfaction out of winning that game than what I do against solos. If I think back to some of the games that really got the adrenaline pump and it's tough games really hard work even sometimes i'll get two kills and i'll be satisfied with that because i knew i was up against a four-man survivor friend all red ranks and i'm like this i mean we asked that last week what counters a win to you and as long as i don't de-pip um, i'm happy with that but yeah it'd be nice to know after because i'm sick of the amount of times where i've had such a tough game and i'm like swf and usually the reply is what does that mean you know survivor friends and things like that so it'd be nice to have it at the end just going back on the perks then so again just in i was going to say one word answer but you'll need to give two words what your favorite killer perk and what's your favorite survivor perk so i'll start off with myself i'll i'll go through my favorite killer perk would be thrilling tremors my favorite survivor perk is dead hard when it works so i'll pass it on to you guys now uh favorite killer perk it's funny because uh while i was muted i was typing up an entire list i have like 20 perks on screen now that i gotta choose two uh i'm gonna say probably the killer infectious fright because I play a lot of Nurse, and it's my bread and butter. I can't play without Infectious. It's just so good. And then for Survivor, I'm going to say Soul Guard. It's actually really useful in the situations uh, that it comes into play. And you're really able to uh, really punish a killer who's slugging. Especially like in this meta where we have Ruin and Undying. I, I, I grin every single time. I touch a gen, I see ruin because I'm like, <laughs> I get to stand up. Like, it, it's fun. I like it. Come back to me. I'm still thinking. All right. Well, Joshua, I'm presuming you've already said any means necessary as a survivor, oh, I'm going to guess. Oh, yeah. That is my perk. I start every game out. I go to my teammate, make him come to me, throw the shack pallet down, pick it back up. Killer comes to me, and then eventually later in the game, something happens. I don't know. Um, any means necessary is the best perk in the game. Don't at me. I don't care about borrowed time or exhaustion perks. Any means necessary is the greatest perk in the game. Nothing's better than giving splinters more to a killer that I've hit already once with the same pallet, and he still doesn't break it, especially spirits and nurses who don't break pallets. It's just like a, it's a fun little thing. It's gimmicky, and I'm always going to stand by any means necessary. Otherwise, um... Damn, I just had it in my head too, and I think I just lost it. Hold up, killer! What was I gonna say? It was a, it was a good perk, guys. It was a good perk. No, oh, made me lose it. Go, go to potato. We'll That's come, potato. All right, we'll come back to you. No, no, don't do this, Captain Salty. Um, Captain Salty, we'll go to Captain Salty if you want us to have a think, potato. Okay, uh, I'm a sucker for information. So in survivors, awareness or this perk when the killer kicks uh, plates or kicks the generator when you can see the aura and. Is it awareness? I don't know how it's called in English because my game is in German, but hey. And uh, for killer, it's this calls by far. Yeah. Back to you, uh, potato. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. Okay. Um, okay. okay. I'm actually going to go with moderate and abuse. Reason being is when I used to play a lot of Myers, I love the fact I have no tear radius, especially with Dead Rabbit. And it could still be very good on other killers like Hag, Spirit. Sneaking up on survivors and making them jump scare might be one of the funniest things I enjoy doing in Dead by Daylight, especially if it's a streamer and I get to see their reaction. It's honestly the best thing ever. Survivor, I am in tie between objects of obsession and head on. I do enjoy seeing the killer's aura and the most fun 
part about playing Survivor is being chased. As much as I love holding down M1, being chased is way more fun. So whenever I bring object, I always seem to have a fun game. And head on as well, it's always fun to head on the killer. But if I had to pick the two, I'd say object. It's probably my favorite. All right, I remembered it. I had to look up the perk list. Uh, my f absolute favorite killer perk is obviously um, Beast of Prey, which they just nerfed, which is really detrimental. It was overpowered. No, my actual favorite perk is um, Enduring. I think um, Enduring lets like any like even it makes it feels really good like because you know the unsafe pallets where you need to get a stun to get to the next loop because you or otherwise you're like you know gonna take a hit. Um, those pallets feel so good with Enduring, and a lot of times like especially the survivors that like to just. Throw a pallet that might be like semi-safe, unsafe. Like the Batam car loops are generally um, semi-safe pallets. If you run them, if you if you're a killer and you run them from the the specific side, um, you can get a hit no matter what. But generally, like survivors that throw those down might just leave the tile immediately. And enduring saving you that. And especially when I play Legion and get stunned, like like last night I was playing Legion and if I forgot how good enduring felt because I was being a killer meta gamer over here with Bruin Undying. I was running enduring with Spirit Fury and I was trying to frenzy on an injured to catch up to an injured survivor and he threw a pallet down and it just immediately broke and stunned and I got the down and it just it was just such a nice feeling. I mean it's it, my left testicle was was tickling. It was it was really good. It's a good feeling. <laughs> okay. So that was the end of the questions in regards to perks. However, we have got someone from the channel called Dusty David did ask, want me to ask you guys a question. So what is the one thing you would change to DS and Noid if you could? Oh, easy. The whole jumping in a locker for DS needs to go away. Um, I don't think I should have to grab somebody out of a locker and eat a DS strike. It's so frustrating. And yeah, okay. Oh, that's one thing. I won't remember long. Um, and Noed, oh, I mean, I have never ever really come across the problem with Noed, really. Um, I don't think Noed needs to be changed. It's an endgame collapse thing. You can cleanse it. It doesn't need changing, in my opinion. I think it's fine. It gives the killer a second chance. It could be very annoying at low ranks, but at high ranks, I don't see it being an issue. Yeah, with Decisive, I just make the perk deactivate whenever you hop on a generator. Like, you're not being tunneled if you're doing gens. Um, and then Noed... I don't really have a big problem with Noed. I would probably remove the speed boost, but I don't know. I, I don't know what you would add to it to uh, go between tiers. Oh, maybe you should just remove perk tiers. That'd be great. Uh, but yeah, no, I, that's what I'd change. Uh, I would change uh, D-Strike to affect every action that is not like just running away and not getting hit for 16 seconds. <laughs> because like if they try to, if they uh, go on the totem or gen or in the locker, like doing anything that is not running away from the killer, that should not be active. Like it's, it's, it's an anti-tunneling perk. They can't change the perk to uh, trigger multiple times and it should deactivate when someone else is getting hooked or when they touch a gen or like something else where they can have to interact with something because running away from a killer not getting fined for one for one minute means you're just running away and you don't do anything you don't touch a totem you don't touch a gen you don't go into locker in the near the killer so he can grab you out of it it should deactivate whenever you do an action whatever you do an action and when another survivor gets hooked because if you chase for like 10 seconds another survivor you down them really fast and then hook them this, you are not tunneling because you effect, effectively ignored the guy that got off hook so it's not tunneling so by definition it can be a really powerful perk if it's only for 
against tunneling and you can make it that it that it uh, activates multiple times a game but also deactivates whenever you do an action inside and for now it i think uh, that's a totem that's a totem is, is just a problem that should be something like when the exegates are powered you get this permanently like you should not be able to cleanse it because in my opinion the bm after the exit gates are powered like people don't try to get out they just try to farm a bit like people that get hooked that get caught by a killer when before the exit gates are opened they die then people don't leave them behind and then bm you in the exit gate that should stop and that's why no it should be unstoppable and basically shorter endgame collapse for everyone or they just uh, remove all just half the time of empty clips because it's far too long. And uh, it should be like this whole stop BBM shit and let the survivors actually go out of the fucking gate so you can enter the next game. It should just be this like, if you stay here, you die. And they can't do anything about it. Like, no one escapes death. Haha. <laughs> if you cleanse the totem, they can escape easily. And that's not the point of it. So, yeah. As far as Noem... I wouldn't mind if they just got rid of it altogether. Um, I don't really care for it. A lot of times it might reward you with a hook or two, but you're generally probably going to be proxying the hook and lose points on your emblem. I don't really, like, the BMN doesn't really bother me as much anymore. Like, I don't know. Like, I'm just, I don't really think Noed's too much of, like, a problem in general, but I just don't think it's, like, I don't like perks that rely on the end game um, as much or, like, like, those, I don't know. It's hard to explain because, like, on the survivor side, you have the second chance a lot of second chance perks. So I guess no, it's like a second chance. I'm a little iffy on it for DS. I feel like like the problem with DS is like, it's kind of like the whole, the argument that people that I see the most is like, well, just don't tunnel. But I don't think people understand as killer, like how rough it is. If you have to wait till, if you have to like play, try to play really fair, which is what I usually do. I usually try to avoid getting hit by DS. Dealing with four DSs in the end game is literally, is literal hell. It's just not fun. The jumping in a locker is just brutal. It rewards, like, just really just dumb plays, I guess. Like, I agree. There should be some sort of, like, way if you interact with a gen or a locker, it's like you're, you're not being tunneled. Like, I, it comes back to the whole working. There's no incentive to heal a lot of times in the game, and that's kind of what DS also promotes. I think, like, just the overall power of DS is literally, like, if you're not running an obsession perk and you see one obsession in your lobby, you have to assume everyone has DS and play around it. If you're if you're trying to play around it, because most people don't, I don't think want to tunnel. Like obviously, sometimes you have to tunnel down if you know you make a mistake or something, because your one mistake is going to give. Say you make a mistake for ten that costs you like ten seconds on one survivor. That's ten seconds for three other survivors to continue doing what they're doing. Like so, like I, I feel like that's kind of how it should be. It's very frustrating when you see how strong like DS is just from one person having the obsession logo and you're not running an obsession perk. It just it changes the game a lot, so I'd like to see them do something about it, but I don't know. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. I mean, for me personally, uh, I was sniggering to myself while you were talking there because I was just thinking about this game I had today. So for me personally, I would like DS to deactivate once the end game collapse has started. I had this right little toxic shit. He was toxic all the way through the game. And I downed him at the end, and to be honest, I was quite happy to leave him slugged, but his teammates were all around trying to get him. And when, so I hooked him, maybe the wrong thing we were done, and he got off, and it was like a dash to the exit door. I knew he had DS, and I knew as soon as that exit door was opened, there was no way, and we were literally racing alongside each other, trying, like, I was obviously a little bit behind trying to stop him from getting that door. Because uh, I knew as soon as the doors opened, 
he was close enough then for that one minute to crawl out, get as close to as possibly as he can. So I personally would like that. And when I think about when DS has really wound me up, generally during the game, I, I don't mind it at all because even when I jump in a locker, I just think, you know what? If the game's going well for me, I'll take him out because I use thrilling tremors. It, it's still a benefit for me to even eat that DS because sometimes I'll be like, you know what? I need some information. Get I'll get you out of the locker. I know the generators are going to block. However, you're going to jump off. It's fine. I'll still get the information off thrilling. So I don't really mind it too much, but it is during the end game where I feel like it can be a bit abused. And, and when I say abuse, sometimes I think to myself, you know what? Sometimes you've just got to applaud good play. But then is it good play? Is it very overpowered using the meta? I don't know. I don't know. But that would be my opinion. Just as once the end game has happened, that's it. There's no DS no more. In regards to Noed, oh, pretty much... I, it's very rarely I come across it. If I do, it's uh, a take. So I wouldn't... I think I'd probably be a bit too overpowered, Captain Salt, if it was just permanent on there. I see what you, I see where you're coming from, though, but I'm not too sure what I would change with that. I don't think it's much of a problem, whereas DS it's something you come across quite a lot. Uh, but I do like all you guys' ideas in regards to if I start interacting with something else, because another favourite uh, when I see it happening, it's not a favourite... I'm not happy when it happens, but... They've just been unhooked of doing the trade, so you know you're going to get the friend on. You get the friend on the hook that's just unhooked his first friend. His first friend comes, and you think, and don't grab, don't grab, just hit him. And then the animation kicks in, and then you know you're going to be eating that DS. Again, is that good play? Do we reward that? Is it just BM? I don't know. Anyway, guys, is there anything else you'd like to add about anything we've spoke about at all? Yeah, but as as a SWF thing, it's like I had my best games against Survivor friends as well. But I want to be prepared for that. Like if I'm not mentally prepared to be bullied, I want to dodge it. And let's I, I don't dodge any lobby. Like I think okay, I can handle that. I'm I'm motivated to play killer now. But if I had like a few rough rounds, I don't want to face it anymore. Like I need some chilled games where I have a chance actually to play the game and not get bullied, you know? That's that's where I come from. I don't hate Survivor Friends, but I just hate it that you can't stop it because 80% of the fucking queue is Survivor Friends because Solo Survivor is just so shitty that no one wants to play it. And that's the whole issue. And if they show you it's Survivor Friends and you can decide if you want to play it or if you don't want to play against them, it's like... It's, it should be fun and facing a bunch of friends and after you get bullied twice in a row, it's not fun anymore, you know? And that's, that's what I wanted to add for this because it might have like been confusing or something or people like, oh, him salty, it's just salty about survival friends. Like it's still a bullshit idea and a stupid thing, but I want to be prepared. And if I want to face survival friends, like I, I pick my best perks, my best killers and stuff like that. And if I get bullied like two times in a row by survival friends and I see another survival friends, I'm not really, I don't want to do this anymore. And then until I get normal game and stuff like that, sure, it's like waiting in a queue time for another year, but it's worth it. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. And I will, what I'm going to put on the video, Captain Salt, is a meme that I've seen. And it's like what people think survival friends is and what it actually is i don't know if you guys have seen it but i'll put it on the video so watch out for that and i think that, that probably sums it up when i play survival friends you know we automatically think they're very coordinated they're doing this like you like as if you're playing the a team or something and in reality you just most of the time i'm just bumbling about no idea what's going on just trying my best to get a gem done being absolutely useless at looping the killer you know running straight into them and things like that so 
it's interesting but as i say i'll put that meme on the video so you'd you'll get to see that but if that's everything guys then i've kept you on a little bit longer than usual but thanks for joining me guys hopefully you can all join me again on next week's podcast